Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you again for last week. The amazing spring share we had was absolutely spectacular. Thank you for your sacrificial giving, all the love you sent our way, all the prayers that you sent our way, and all the the things that you did that just said to us, "Keep on doing what you do." It was a really a enormously emotional week for all of us. We felt so blessed. Our hearts were so full, and they're still very full. So I'm just going to keep gushing for a little bit. I'll probably do that, I don't know, for at least a couple of weeks. So just get used to me gushing. So thank you again. Uh, you made our spring share literally spectacular. So thank you. I love this verse. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. You probably have that memorized. That's Romans eight twenty eight. What if you knew, I mean, if you really knew that everything that happened to you would eventually work for good in your life, would it, would it change the way you felt or thought or lived? And that is really the unstoppable power of Romans 8.28. And my guest to talk about that today is uh, Pastor Robert Morgan. He's authored over 40 books with 5 million in print. Uh, he has written uh, this book, which is a kind of a, a remake of a book. It's called God Works All Things Together for Good, Living in the Promise of Romans 8.28. Robert, welcome back. Thank you, Bill. It's always a joy to be with you. Well, I feel I feel very much the same way. I've got a soft spot in my heart for you because you were with me in the very beginning of my radio biz, and you were so comforting to me. I think the first hour I was on the air alone you were my guest, and you were kind of mentoring and guiding me and shepherding me and making me feel comfortable when, as the host, I'm supposed to make the guests feel comfortable. <laughs> well, you know, you're, I, I really think you're incredible. You're, you're, you're multi-gifted. Um, how, how you're able to do all that you do and, and the gifts you have is amazing to me. But to have, have uh, this opportunity of being with you uh, is a joy. So thank you so much yeah. uh, for letting me be with you. And your kids and grandkids all well? Yes, everyone is fine. Okay. Um, you know, my wife, Katrina, passed away I, a year and a half ago. I did know that. And I miss her. I know you do. Um, yeah, she she battled multiple sclerosis. And and um, so I'm still adjusting to that. But mm-hmm. my three children live nearby. And, um, and it and my grandchildren do. And it really is true, Bill, that all things work together for good. We can look back and we can see it and we can look forward and we can trust it. Yeah. Now, uh, Robert, before we jump into the book, and just because I think you've come up with a very sensitive topic, because we talked about uh, Katrina's passing and I knew that there was um, a l- enormous uh, loving sacred duty you had taking care of her. And I was just wondering if you would speak to other people who are t- 
today in this situation, you know, uh, she's been gone a year and a half, so it's it's still, I'm sure, really raw. And maybe give a one or two point uh, illustration of what are some of the things that you're doing to help battle some of the difficulty and loneliness. Well, Katrina was a wonderful follower of Jesus, and I am. And, you know, Bill, that makes all the difference. And the last thing that I said to her as I held her hand, and she already was unconscious, but I said, uh, you go on to sleep, and when I get to heaven, we'll have a walk together hand in hand by the Crystal River. And I just made a date with her. Oh, so sweet. Uh, I really believe that the picture we have of heaven and Revelation 21 and 22 is literal and real. And so I look forward, you know, I look backward with gratitude and I do miss her. And sometimes the hours in the evening are a little hard to fill, but I stay very busy and I'll look up to the sky and up to the clouds and up to the sunshine. And I say, I've got people up there and I'm looking forward to our reunion. So, you know, we decided when she developed uh, multiple sclerosis that we would do our best to stay cheerful. Mm. And we did. You know, the Lord helped us. And so I have the same attitude now. I'm just going to make up my mind to stay cheerful and uh, do every day what God calls me to do and look forward to the day when she and I can walk hand in hand by the Crystal River. Very That's su- the best that I know to do. Yeah, very sweet, Robert. Now, you've You've probably already answered this, but uh, that must be the basis for your optimism. It is. Um, our optimism, you know, it's very hard, as you know, to be very optimistic in our world today. Um, it's hard in the United States to be optimistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one hour watching the news can drain you of all optimism, but our optimism as believers is based on the promises of Scripture. And I contend that the greatest of all of the promises is the one that you quoted from Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. I think that sums up all of the other promises, and the Apostle Paul puts it at the climactic moment in his unveiling and his discussion of the doctrines of justification that he, you know, describes in Romans 1 through 8. So, um, so this is uh, a, a promise that will enable us, I think, to stay positive in life, even when life itself looks to be negative in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Robert, I would love for us to spend uh, much of this time this hour trying to break down that that verse as, as much as we can. I know you've done a brilliant job in the book, so I want to give my listeners a little bit of a tease, but I've always said if Robert Morgan puts out a book, you can just go ahead and get it, and uh, rest assured you'll love it. But let's talk about the words we know. Well, uh, you know, it's interesting to me that the verse doesn't begin with all things work together. If I were writing, I think that I would have started the verse. The main subject and verb, I would say, would be all things and work together. Uh, But the Apostle Paul here has a different subject and verb. We is the subject and no is the verb because he is stressing the absolute confidence that we can have and the providence of God overwatching and overruling our lives and our circumstances. Later in the chapter, he says, I am persuaded that nothing can separate us from the love of God. 
So here's a man speaking with incredible confidence about um, the optimism and the security and the joy that we can have. And so he deliberately begins the verse with, we know, and the rest of the verse is subsequent to that um, subject and verb. Isn't that interesting? It's, you know, I've never thought about that before, but it really sets the stage for whatever comes after. We know is something that we're going to know. Yes, and Paul, you know, when he wrote, he wrote with great um, incisive determination. So this is um, very, this is Pauline language. Mm-hmm. He, um, he didn't uh, ever say we hope in a, in a weak sense of the word hope. He never said we uh, expect or, or maybe something will happen. He just was full of, he said, I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded he is able to keep that which I've committed it unto him against that day. And, and so this, uh, I think the Lord gives us this in order to teach us to be resilient and determined in the attitudes that he wants us to have. Oh, it's just so powerful, Robert. I love that. Let's go to the next uh, two words, which are all things. You know, uh, Bill, if, if Paul had said, we know that things will work together for good, we would have said, that's a wonderful promise. We would have really treasured it. But <laughs> it's even better than that. Yeah. It's all things. And the word all is all-inclusive. It means that nothing is, um, is excluded, not any disaster or tragedy or blessing or occurrence or happenstance or unexpected obstacle or disappointment. There is nothing that can happen that is not included in this promise. Uh, you know, years ago, Bill, I was reading in First Peter chapter 5, and I saw the, the verse that says, cast all your cares upon him because he cares for you. And that word all struck me. And I looked up the word all in the Bible, and it occurs about 5,000 times. And I looked up every occurrence of that word. It took me quite a while, but so many of the Bible's verses are modified by that word. Goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives, and seek first the kingdom of God, and all of these things will be added to you. It's a wonderful uh, little word. Somebody told me that all means all, and that's all all means. <laughs> I love that. So here he says, all things work together for good. We know that. When you think of all things, for most people, Robert, it seems that if the verse said most things will work together for good, that would be something most people could believe. But all things, for some people, is starts to feel like a little bit of a bigger stretch because things, in their opinion, on this earth have not turned out the way they have hoped. Well, it doesn't say that all things are good because some things clearly are not good. And the great thing about this verse, Bill, is its context. It says that the Holy Spirit is praying for us. And as a result of that, all things work together for good. This is God's providence, his overreaching, uh, overruling, undergirding providence that is able to take even the negative and the bad things Mm -hmm. and weave them for good in the long run. He turns curses into blessings, the Bible says. Fantastic. We are talking to Pastor Robert Morgan. His book is called God Works All Things Together for Your Good. We're talking about living in the promise of Romans 8, 28, 
That's the whole of our discussion today with Pastor Morgan, so you're not going to want to miss a minute. We'll take a short break and be right back. glad to be back with Pastor Robert Morgan. His book is God Works All Things Together for Good, Living in the Promise of Romans 8, 28. Uh, Robert, I got a nice message from a listener that said, Amen, Pastor. I'm in the same boat. About seven months in, gratitude, hope in Christ, and the promise we'll see each other again carries me through the days and evenings. Yes. That's exactly the way I feel. Couldn't have said it better. Yeah, so I appreciate you sharing that because you're connecting with many listeners. And uh, Kathy wrote and said, um, love your book, All to Jesus Every Day. Now, how have you been hiding this one from me? Well, that uh, book, All to Jesus, you know, I told you that I did a study of the 5,000 times when the word all occurs in the Bible. Okay, yes, that's uh, it, huh? Yeah, so so we did a book with uh, B&H a number of years ago called All to Jesus, and I think it's still in print. I it think is. You can get it on um, Amazon or from my website, robertjmorgan.com. Okay. Um, but it takes 365 times when that word all okay. occurs in the Bible. And uh, I'll have to send you a copy. I'll, Bill, I'll find the copy and send it to you. That would be great, because if you don't, I'm going to skip dinner and, and buy it online tonight. Because I can't do both. <laughs> I'll, I'll see that you get one. <laughs> All right. So we're, we're processing through Romans 8.28, and of course, we know all things, so we're off to a really good start, um, and you've done such a great job of giving us some uh, really great insights to that. So let's, let's go to work together. Well, the Greek uh, in this, which is the original language in which Paul wrote this verse, uses a word which, if it's transliterated directly into English, is our word synergy. And we think of synergy as a number of forces coming together to work. And this is the way God does things. He takes many different strands of circumstances, and he weaves them together in unseen ways. And, Bill, I'll give you an example. Uh, I have a little grandson who is 12. His name is Jude. And he's a little uh, boy adopted from Korea with special needs. And he's uh, got physical challenges and and intellectual challenges. But he's as sweet as can be. Recently, he had a terrible um, series of, of pains in his stomach. And they rushed him to Vanderbilt. And after extensive tests at the Vanderbilt Children's Hospital, they determined he had a bacteria, which they could deal with, uh, with antibiotics, but they were alarmed while he was in there uh, at his blood pressure, and they began studying the blood pressure problem that he had, and it showed that he had incurred heart damage because of his blood pressure. Well, they tried to figure out why his blood pressure was high, and it's because of congenital problems with his kidneys, which hadn't been detected until now. So they are reversing. They feel they can reverse the heart damage by controlling his blood pressure, and they're dealing with this chronic 
kidney issue now. But none of that would have come to light if he hadn't have had this stomach infection. Mm-hmm. If he hadn't have had the terrible uh, pains in his stomach, they never would have discovered that he had heart damage and high blood pressure and kidney disease. So we look back and we say, praise God uh, that, you know, in February, uh, Jude uh, had days and days of painful stomach issues because if we hadn't have gone to check on that, we wouldn't have detected these diseases that could have taken his life uh, more quickly. So, you know, you look back and you see how things that appear to be difficulties are the stepping stones that God uses to do good things in our lives. Mm -hmm. And there's no way to explain it apart from divine providence. Mm -hmm. Robert, if I could ask a question that just have have come in from a listener. I have a question for Dr. Morgan. Do you think that all things working for our good is from an eternal perspective, not temporal. This is my daughter's favorite verse. I have thought of that often since she was diagnosed with a rare, aggressive form of cancer at age 23. I struggle with how that works for her good in this lifetime. Well, I think it's for both. I do think that God doesn't allow anything to happen for us which he will not redeem um, in blessings Uh, in this life for ourselves or for others. Uh, Many times it's in our difficult times that we're able to establish a testimony uh, that will impact others. And, you know, it's not all just for us. It's what God wants to do through us that will leave a ripple effect that it will continue on in this life until the Lord returns. Um, You know, my wife's multiple sclerosis was one of the factors that drove me to the scriptures and enable me to discover insights that she and I crafted into books, you know, that hopefully have been a blessing to many other people. So, so I do think that there is a redemptive value for our sufferings in this life, but I do think that the great benefits will be seen in eternity. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lord's blessings on us are eternal in nature, and I don't understand how all of that works, but I believe that Um, we will look back from the perspective of eternity and say, well, thank the Lord that I went through some of the things I went through. I didn't know how blessed I would be forever because of that temporary suffering. You know, the Bible says the suffering of this present life is not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed. Mm -hmm. Robert, this might be a good time to move on to the words for the good, because it kind of tails into, dovetails into what was just asked. The, we know that all things work together for the good. Yes, and it depends on the translations you're using. The NIV that I often use says for the good, for, you know, for the good, for our good, um, or for the good of our lives. And others say that they'll it'll work together just plainly for good. Um, I don't think it matters which translation you're using. I think what it means is that God is a good God. Every good and perfect gift comes from him, and he has the capability of taking things that are negative and turning them into positives, and taking things that are curses and turning them into blessings. You know, this phrase that God turns curses into blessings occurs twice in the Bible, in the book of Deuteronomy, and in the book of uh, uh, Nehemiah, 
And it's absolutely true that God turns curses into blessings. One of the great examples for this is when the Apostle Paul was imprisoned um, in Rome, he had expected to be going to Spain. He had written with great enthusiasm about his coming trip to Spain, but instead he was captured and arrested and placed under house arrest in Rome. But he wrote to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 1, and he says, you know, the things that have happened to me have really served for good, for the furtherance of the gospel, because he went on to say, I'm chained to soldiers day and night. I'm evangelizing them, and they're taking the gospel to places I could never go. And he said, all of the empire people have heard about what's happened to me, and that has given them boldness to stand up and speak too. So in ways that are beyond our understanding, real, moral, spiritual, godlike good can come out of negative things when God touches them with the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, we're going to take a break here in a couple minutes, so I'm going to get you started, but I think we're going to get into what you now call the fine print. And those are of those who love God. So now we're getting a little bit more specific. Well, this is the condition, and it's a wonderful condition. Many of the Bible's promises are connected to the same uh, condition. For example, the Bible says that eyes have not seen, ears have not heard the things that God has in store for who? Those who love him. And so even a child can do this if we have a love in our hearts for the Lord Jesus a love for the God who made us and who has redeemed us, a love for the God who wants to know us and wants to give us everlasting life just so he can be with us. That is all the requirement that is necessary to claim this promise. It is for those who love him. And we can do that whatever our age, whatever our stage in life, and really whatever our maturity in Christ, even a brand-new Christian who has no knowledge yet of the Bible, can love the Lord who saved him. Mm -hmm. And loving God is the ultimate purpose of the soul. We're made to love, and a life without love is a worthless life. Loving God is the highest duty and the greatest joy of our lives, either in time or eternity. You write in your book. Beautiful. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Pastor Robert Morgan is my guest. His book is God Works All Things Together for Good. And Robert, this book is a, a book that you've, you wrote years ago and you've come out with it again. Is that how that works? Uh, it came out a number of years ago and went out of print. That's we right. Reclaimed the, we reclaimed the copyright. I revised it, uh, added a chapter, changed uh, some of it, and we self-published it. It's my first self-published book, really. Terrific. Uh, which means it's not widely distributed now. It's available on my website. But mm-hmm. yes, it's a new version of an old book that I wrote many years ago. Perfect. So we'll take a little break. If you have a question or comment, we'd love to hear it. 877-933-2484. And my guest is Pastor Robert Morgan. His book is God Works All Things Together for Your Good, Living in the Promise of Romans 8, 28. Let's get it started. Jump in your car. Yeah. What's for dinner? Yeah. It's the 
Romans 8.28 only has 28 words in that verse. You should memorize all of them because we're breaking them all down with Pastor Robert Morgan. He's written a book called God Works All Things Together for Good, Living in the Promise of Romans 8.28. I'm loving this hour, Robert. Let's talk about those who are called according to the purpose. Yes, it says all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. And you say, well, what is his purpose? And he goes on to say in the next verse that his purpose is that we might be conformed to the image of his son, Jesus Christ. In other words, when we love the Lord, he is using the circumstances of life, not only for our good, but through all of that to make us into miniature portraits of the Lord's full-size portrait. Uh, We are to be small versions of Jesus in this world. And I think that means we're to reflect increasingly the love, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the faithfulness, the self-control that Christ had, which we call the fruit of the Spirit. Um, The wonderful thing, Bill, about following Christ is that he takes us from a state of immaturity and like a rough, lump of clay, and gradually gives us maturity and shapes us into an image that is more and more like Christ, and it happens automatically. And the circumstances of life are a part of that process. It's when we uh, integrate the circumstances of life with the promises of Scripture, and we trust the Lord and walk by faith that we are growing, and we're growing to be like Jesus. This is the the purpose for which he's called us in this world. Robert, does this verse sometimes get used a little too casually with people who are not Christians? Because I I have heard people say to non-believers, you know, God works all things together for good. And that's kind of where they stop. Well, it can even be used too casually with Christians. Okay. Um, You know, if, if someone... Um, if I were called to the hospital today with, with a family who had just suffered a traumatic injury, I wouldn't go in quoting Romans 8.28 in a cavalier way. Right. Um, you know, it's, I think we have to be—it it is absolutely true, this verse is, but it's also true that we have to use discretion um, in our tone and the timing and the way that we minister to others. Uh, so with Christians, I think we have to uh, realize that there is exactly the right time and place to share this to encourage one another without doing it a caval- in a cavalier way. With non-Christians, you know, Bill, honestly, the verse to share with them, it's not really in the Bible, but you'll see where I'm going with it, is all things are going to work out for disaster. If you don't know the Lord, Mm -hmm. nothing will work out for good in the long run if you do not know the Lord. Just think of all of the blessings that a man or a woman may have who doesn't know Jesus Christ, but in the final analysis, all of those are going to fall away, and they'll have nothing to stand on and nothing to hope for throughout eternity. So this verse works in reverse for unbelievers. And so we can't just tell people, oh, it's going to be okay. Everything's going to work out all right. It will not work out all right. 
if they don't have the kind of relationship with Jesus, which allows him to practice his great redemption over their lives and over the circumstances of their lives. Robert, when people stay in rebellion and they are not willing to hear God's truth in their life, I know there's there's a lot of people listening that would think, I, I need some kind of... Um, breakthrough with someone I've been trying to share Christ with for a long time. And this verse is so powerful that don't you want to be a part of God's family so all things will work out for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose? Many people have been led to Christ because mm. of this verse. I like it. Uh, when, people, when people face disappointment or tragedy, uh, they look around for hope. And the only real hope is in the Bible and in the promises God gives. And this is the greatest of all of the promises. At least I think it sums up all of the other promises better than any other single promise does. And so as the Holy Spirit leads you to share this verse with an unbeliever going through a difficult uh, time in life, it certainly can be a part of their coming to know him as Savior. Uh, This is a lifeline for us, uh, and it's a lifeline for somebody needing hope. Mm-hmm. Robert, where are there other instances of Romans 8.28 in Scripture? Yes, I've mentioned a couple of them. When it says in Deuteronomy and in the book of Nehemiah that God turns curses into blessings. Love that. And then there is the, the time in Philippians chapter 1 when Paul says, the things that have happened to me have turned out rather for the furtherance of the gospel And also, the book of Ephesians, chapter 1 and verse 11, says that God works all things out in accordance with his great will. You know, God has a plan for us and a plan for this world. And things not only work out for our good, but they work out in accordance with the will of God, which he decrees. And so these are some of the many times Job said, all of these things that happened to me have been for my benefit. And King Hezekiah said the same thing after he came out of what he thought was a terminal illness. So when you read the Bible, you find echoes of Romans 8.28 all the way through the Scripture. Yeah, it's, it's tremendous. I remember hearing a sermon 30 years ago, and this probably is an old chestnut. I'm sure you've heard it, but it's the illustration that, that the pastor used for Romans 8.28, and it was a story of a, a farmer in ancient feudal times, and all he had was a horse and a son. And one day, the horse ran away and because he forgot to lock the barn, and all the neighbors came over and said, oh, this is terrible. And the farmer said, well, how do you know it's terrible? And the next day, the horse returned with 13 wild horses. And the neighbors came over and said, oh, this is great. And he said, how do you know it's great? And the next day, one of uh, his son got on one of the horses to try to domesticate the animal and got thrown off the animal and broke his shoulder The neighbors came over and said, this is terrible. He said, how do you know it's terrible? And the next day, one of the warlords declared war, and all the young men had to go into battle except his son because he had a broken shoulder. Neighbors came over and said, this is great. And he said, how do you know it's great? So I guess the illustration and the point, I don't know if you've heard this little story attached to Romans 8.28, but don't we have to say when things and circumstances come into our life, how do we know this is bad or how do we know this is good? You win the lottery in $5 million. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's absolutely true, Bill. And I think that if all of us look back over our lives, we can see that. You know, when my wife and I were first married, 
I wanted to begin pastoring a church. And we were uh, really ready on our wedding day. I tried to find a church to pastor before we were married so that I would uh, uh, have a church to bring her to and we could start working together. But I was turned down 12 different times. And an entire year passed after our wedding, and we were married on August 28th. I'll tell you something about that later. But an entire year passed, and finally, a little church called us to pastor. And we started on our first wedding anniversary. <laughs> but we look back now, we, you know, that was a very hard year for us, very discouraging to be yeah. turned down that many times. But if, if, what, if that had not have happened, nothing else in our ministerial lives would have happened. I mean, that, that gave us a year to be together as husband and wife and get to know and love one another and get used to being married. And then our first church was a great experience. And it launched everything else we were able to do or the Lord allowed us to do. So I look back on that at the time. It was a tremendous disappointment. But disappointments are God's way of substituting something better for us in our lives. Mm, I love that. So were you going to give me another story about your, uh, your wedding? Yes. Yeah, so on our 25th wedding anniversary, um, we were going out to do something uh, we were just going to spend the day together. We'd look forward to it, our silver wedding anniversary. And that day I got terrible news, just something that it was like a, a, a fist that hit me in the stomach and I was doubled over. And a friend called me and said, how are you? And I said, I'm not doing very well, Brian. Uh, I feel terrible today. And he said, isn't it your silver wedding anniversary? And I said, yes, but I've had some bad news. And he said, well, don't worry about that bad news today. Remember what day this is. It's August 28th. On the calendar, it's 828. Whatever happened today is going to work together for your good. So you go ahead and have a wonderful day with your wife. And, you know, we did that. And we'd never thought about the fact that our anniversary was on 828. <laughs> but after that, we never forgot it. Yeah. And I think everybody ought to be married on 828. <laughs> I love it. For the Christian bill, every day is 828. Yeah. Uh, Robert, talk about how all things work out for the good of others. Well, everything that happens in our lives provides an arena for our being able to be a blessing to others. You know, Isabel Kuhn, the missionary, wrote a wonderful book called In the Arena, and she discussed about 12 tragedies or difficulties that she had faced and how each one of them resulted in her being able to minister to others in ways she otherwise wouldn't have been able to. And the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians that we are able to comfort others with the comfort that we ourselves have received. So whenever something negative happens to us, we need to look around and say, what is God doing in my life that's going to become a blessing to others because of this experience. Now, that's an odd way of looking at things, but it's a biblical way of looking at things. And when you look at things from that perspective, then it's like your paradigm shifts, and you begin looking at earthly situations from a heavenly perspective. It makes a difference. Mm. Robert, would you talk a little bit about Isaiah thirty-eight seventeen? which says, indeed, it was for my own welfare that I had such great bitterness. 
That was uh, Hezekiah. He was the king of Israel. He was a young man, 39 years of age. Up to this point, everything had gone in his life like a fairy tale. But in that one year, suddenly he found out that his empire was being invaded by the great emperor Sennacherib, and his nation of Judah was occupied. His capital city was surrounded. It appeared that everything was going to be swept away. And God delivered him at the last minute. It must have been a harrowing thing to go through. And then almost immediately, he was diagnosed with a terminal illness and told that he would die. And he prayed about that. He was a great man of prayer. And in the first instance with Sennacherib, he laid the situation literally in a letter before the Lord in the temple. And his illness, he turned around with his face towards the wall and prayed on his bed. And the Lord extended his life another 15 years and gave him, uh, uh, gave him an extension of life and healing. And so he later said that verse that you quoted, it was for my benefit that all of these things happened. The depth that came into his life, the testimony that he had, the stories that we are still telling from the Bible— all of these things occurred. It's had an echo effect to all of history because of this terrible year he had when he was 39 years of age. So we have to look at things from God's perspective and say, I don't know what's going on here, but I know one thing. Jesus Christ is Lord and God is in control. Mm-hmm. Robert, just before we go to break, if it's appropriate and not too personal, could you share with us the outcome of your 25th wedding anniversary, the day you got such uh, difficult news. Yes, things did work out for good. It took a long time. Uh, this had to do with someone that I love. And, um, you know, we, we worry more about the people that we love than we worry about ourselves, whether it's our parents or our children, a brother or a sister, or just a very good friend. Um, we, we are so concerned with others. And, um, and when they have a bad situation in their lives or they make a mistake or something terrible happens, it affects us sometimes more than it affects them. But with prayer and time, things change. And the Bible says that we should always pray and not give up. And that's Luke 18 and verse 1. And I want to tell your listeners, if you're worried about somebody in your life right now, then always pray and don't give up. Romans 8.28 is still in the Bible. There is, if you go to your Bible right now and open it, there is not a blank space between verse 27 and verse 29. Romans 8.28 is there in your Bible right now. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> I love it. We'll take a little break. We'll be right back with Pastor Robert Morgan. The book is God Works All Things Together for Your Good. Living in the Promise of Romans 8.28. Be right back.
Welcome back to the show. Robert Morgan is my guest. God works all things together for your good, living in the promise of Romans 8, 28. Robert, it seems that there's always, um, as things are working out, there's opportunities for the spreading of the gospel. Well, yes. You know, the worst disaster that ever befell the world was the crucifixion of the best man who ever lived. True. And yet, out of that tragedy has come salvation for every human being on this planet who will receive him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that set the stage, really. That, that set the pace. That's the bottom line. Uh, if the death of Jesus Christ could be so redemptive, then so can the negative things that happen to us. They turn into testimonies uh, that will reach the world. And, you know, during uh, the pandemic, Christians have had an opportunity to witness in an environment we've never had before. Uh, When negative things happen in the headlines, uh, people are alarmed and they look for hope. And it gives us an opportunity to to share the message of Christ. So there is a a global impact uh, to redemption that begins with the death of Jesus Christ, uh, but also includes those negative things that happen to us. It falls into the same category. Um, You know, Bill, I would say that when Jesus died for us and rose again, he redeemed us. And that redemption doesn't just mean that our souls are redeemed. It means that every circumstance of our lives are redeemed. Every negative thing that happens to us is redeemed. And that's a miracle. I mean, we're not talking about a nice cliche here. Right. Romans eight twenty eight is talking about a miracle of action, a miracle of providence that God works in our lives because of what Jesus did on the cross and through the empty tomb. Robert, I assume you have crossed paths with Johnny Erickson Tata, and of course I think of her and the incredible way that the gospel has gone out as a result of her a terrific injury when she was a teenage girl. Well, yes, I met her uh, before she ever became famous. Um, and I haven't uh, had a whole lot of interaction with her personally since then. But my wife, Katrina, read everything that she wrote. And it was a tremendous encouragement to Katrina. Katrina wasn't a quadriplegic. Um, by the by the end of her MS, she was, you know, very debilitated. But uh, she was able uh, she went from a, uh, from walking to a cane to a walker to a wheelchair, and finally at the end she she couldn't do a great deal. But you know Johnny has battled this um, paralysis for so many years. It's, mm-hmm. it's really a miracle. Her survival has been a miracle, and yet the testimony that has come out of her life has gone through all of the world. Mm, that's so true. What about? Robert, when there are multiple, multiple distresses in your life, and how do you start to wrap this verse around all the problems that you might be having all at the same time? Yes, that's the story of Job. And whenever, whenever a person is faced with wave after wave of difficulties, I suspect a satanic attack. Uh, when I have one piece of bad news after another, I think the devil's behind this somewhere because that's what happened to Job. Mm. And yet, when we look back at the story, if, if we could see Job right now in heaven, 
we could walk up to him and we say, Job, you had seven children on earth, and then you got seven more, and all 14 of them are here with you in heaven. Uh, your story has enriched people uh, ever since the Old Testament was written. Uh, everything that happened to you ended up being a great blessing to the Jewish and to the Christian world for thousands of years after you lived. Was it worth it for you to go through a little season of suffering? <laughs> and he would say what the Apostle Paul said, that the sufferings of this present world are not worth comparing to the glories that will be revealed. And, you know, there's another passage, too, in Second Corinthians, when the Apostle Paul said, Therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is uh, deteriorating, our inward man is being renewed day by day. And so we don't look at the temporary sufferings that we are facing. We look at the eternal weight of glory that is being established for us in heaven. So Job, I think, is the answer to multiple distresses. I go to him over and over again. And, of course, what the Lord told him at the end of the book is just look to me. I created all of these animals. I created all of these stars. I made the universe. I laid the foundations of the world. I swept my hand through the sky, and all of the heavenly bodies appeared. You can trust me with whatever you're facing. Robert, when we are in times of grief, is it, is it always good to go back to the biblical truths about heaven? That's what has helped me. Okay. You know, in this, in this book, God works all things together for your good. Uh, tell the story of Jesus with Lazarus. And, um, and how the Lord Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death, but it's for God's glory. And when my wife, Katrina, was passing away, she, um, you know, she lingered for a number of days, and we were all around her, and she died on November the 11th. And when she passed away, the nurse looked up, and she said, well, she died. Her time of death is 11 11 a.m. And we said 11-11 on 11-11, Veterans Day. And my son-in-law, Joshua, pulled out his Bible, and he said, listen to this. John 11-11 says, Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to wake her up. And the Lord gave us John 11-11 at 11-11 on 11-11. And <laughs> I found fantastic. it, honestly, a little hard to grieve. Because it seemed the Lord had spoken so clearly to us that even in the graveyard, we have hope. And when we were in the cemetery, I thought of something that Johnny Erickson Tata had said. She said that on the day of the rapture, bodies are going to shoot out of the cemetery like rockets firing from their, uh, you know, like missiles firing mm -hmm. from the ground, that our cemetery plots are really launching pads, and <laughs> I thought of that. Yeah, um, I thought I'm not putting her in a in a, a vault in the cemetery. Uh, I'm putting her here on her launching pad, and <laughs> and, um, and one day I'll be right beside her, and we'll we'll see each other, and at the moment of the rapture. I love it, Robert. We just have a few minutes left. S speak to the person that says, "I can't imagine anything turning out for good in my circumstances." I can certainly understand that. Um, when I look at some of the horrendous traumas that people go through, um, 
And there have been times in my life when, you know, I've wondered how can anything good come from this. But the Lord gives us time, and the Lord gives us the Holy Spirit in our hearts, and the Lord gives us healing that gradually begins to overtake us. God is a God of healing. By his stripes, we are healed. And as part of that healing, he gives us promises. And so we have to give ourselves time and take a deep breath and open our Bible when we're able to and let our eyes fall on Romans 8:28 and other promises. And somehow as time goes by, things change. Our attitude is never hopeless. It is never one of despair, of unmitigated despair, when the truth of the reality of God and of the resurrection of Jesus Christ is brought into the picture. Robert, thank you so much. You are the most comforting voice on radio. I so appreciate you. Well, you're welcome. Let me say that this book is right now only available on our website. We'll get it out to other places later. Okay. But people can go to robertjmorgan.com and find it, or perhaps they can get it, you know, from your website, yeah, awesome. um, which I would love. But, uh, but I hope it will be a great blessing to people, Bill. And you're so kind to, you know, to give me an hour here Thank to, you. to talk with you about it. Thank you so much. That wraps up our show. Have a great night, everyone. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.